Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 308. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the internationally acclaimed and award-winning writer of speculative fiction, novels, and short stories, our dear friend, Morgan Quaid. Ahoy hoy. Hello. Morgan, how you doing? I'm yeah. very good, thank you, sir. Very good yeah. on this shiny, bright, sunny, you can't see it, but the sun out there, uh, whatever this day is, I'm not sure. It's a Friday where I am, so end of the week. That's right. You know, it's like I love talking to our Australian friends because you always talk to us from the future, so yeah. it's good to know that things are still okay in the future, so that's good. So, yeah. They are. Yeah. The world's still here. Um, politics is still politics, um, and everything else is pretty much the same, so... There you go. Yeah. I think I have a little more hair uh, growing out of my nose that I have to trim, which is a wonderful fact about getting older that I'm super thrilled about. But aside from that, not much has changed. When we talked to you back in January, your YouTube channel is, is growing exponentially. You're also able to now have a successful Kickstarter so far that's been that that you launched as of this recording as well. And we talk about a bit a bit of that of the Dusk Witch. Mm-hmm. And also well that you are now part of the NE1 World's uh family with ASAP Imagination. You've been busy over the last few months. Yeah. Yes, I am. I've done all the things all at once because that's the way to do it. Don't plan anything. Don't schedule things out. Just do it all at once and hope for the best. Um, yeah, but super happy, super happy with all that stuff and super happy to be part of the ASAP Imagination family and uh, Paul Hades Hayden and all the and Laurie and all the wonderful people uh, and crazy individuals. So talk to us a little bit about what um, what titles you're able to bring over to uh, ASAP Imagination's Any One World. It's funny that you should say that because the first title, and I won't make a mistake <laughs> of uh, opening it because there is some... Very mild nudity in here. Uh, and every time I open it up, it goes directly to that page. So I'll, I'll actually look first. So here we go. It's that That's the sort of artwork that's going on there. So this is a story called, or a series called Enmity, that one there. Okay. It is a, a story about a, a, a young woman roaming the post-apocalyptic world, searching for her deadbeat dad, who just happens okay. to be Lucifer. So the twist here is that... This whole post-apocalyptic world has come about because Lucifer is fed up with his day job and essentially one day just decides that it, that's it, I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, and in this imagined world, Lucifer isn't so much the devil in the traditional sort of sense. He's more of an adversarial kind of, um, he maintains balance. So he makes sure that the good and the evil are kind of on a par so that things keep ticking along. So he whispers in the ears of people of power and gets them to do, you know, not so great stuff and start wars and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but he's just so bored with it that he just says, that's it, I'm done. And as a result of that, um, the they find out in heaven essentially that he really is good at his job and he's subtle. And when he's not there, things go haywire and go v- bad very, very quickly. War in heaven, the whole thing happens. And right in the middle of this, um, he Lucifer basically goes on a bender. He quits. He goes on a bender. He drinks. He does everything. Um, he sleeps around. Uh, and then consequently, nine months later, 
uh, this girl named Daisy is is born and she grows up in this post-apocalyptic world. Her mother dies um, uh, tragically as she reaches, I think she's uh, 18 or 16. Mm. I should know this. I wrote the thing. But anyway, she's a teenager. <laughs> her mother dies and her mother's dying words are essentially, find your father. So she is not aware who her father is. She's just searching for him. But for those in the know, her father is Lucifer. But you have some other series in there as well that are available. Well, yeah. So the the Amnity series has two main books. So the first two you see at the, the top there, they're the main story. So issue one and issue two, which right. is that story that I was talking about focusing on Daisy. Um, there's a behind the scenes book, which sort of shows your early artwork and a bit of the, you know, theory behind the story and all that sort of stuff. Oh, cool. But I very, very cleverly, uh, also launched three other comics, which are sort of side issues within the same universe. Uh, so one of them is called Raven Running. The other one's called Kira Burns. And I very shrewdly named them after their title characters, which is a girl named Raven and a girl named Kira. And the reason why is because they are also daughters of Lucifer. So it turns out Daisy is not the only one. The problem is by launching those books, I've already given away a huge chunk of the, the you know, the story because in the, in the, you know, the, the first two comics, you don't know that yet, but like until the end. So anyway, I've kind of given that one away, but essentially there are more than uh, there's more than one daughter. There's a, there's a bunch of the daughters. So the largest story is about how these daughters find each other and come together and how they face the new threat to humankind and, and everything and try and uh, force their father into doing the right thing and actually helping them. Whereas all he wants to do is just drink and doesn't care and just let it all, let it all burn. Um, right. So, so Raven running is a, uh, Emnity 1 and 2 are full colour. Raven Running is a black and white story. It's very fast-paced, and it's about a girl named Raven, who's, as I said, sister to Daisy. Kira Burns is a larger book. It's a black and white uh, kind of manga-esque, but not really manga-style um, graphic novel. Um, uh, and that follows a daughter named Kira, and her journey is, is quite different again. Obviously, there's fire involved, a bit of a fire starter sort of vibe. Um, right. So those stories kind of converge and get you to where issue two is and where issue two will three will be and where they all kind of meet. Uh, and then Crow is a side story about a figure uh, called Crow who inhabits a crow within the story, um, who is actually a demonic kind of character that inhabits a crow. A crow. So, yeah, they're all kind of connected. And uh, all you will notice, and this was not planned, all done by different artists. So maybe we scrub that bit where I say it wasn't planned and we say another genius uh, <laughs> plan from Morgan Quaid to get different artists for each of them. Essentially, I did the first book, was started on the second one, was already halfway through, and then we had war in Ukraine and uh, I was working with a, a, a Russian creative um outfit great great people wonderful people but then it was kind of like well i can't keep you know there were right. you know there was a stop that you know in australia to that sort of thing so i had to sort of out of an abundance of caution stop so i had to find another artist so i went with uh dave schwartz who did issue two amazing artwork amazing artist um and the others i was building simultaneously so i got other artists to do those so that so all of them are from different artists which is 
And so is there going to be more um, part of any more uh, stories that you have planned out already for the Enmity world that you've created? Yeah, so there's at least another uh, one or two main issues. Uh, it'll be two issues now that I think about it to, to close out the main story. And then I may do other a few other side issues because there is at least one more sister that hasn't been mentioned yet. So there's there's room there for, for more of that, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd really wanting, uh, to close off the story and get to the kind of crunch point where it's all, the world is ending and everything's going to burn and rah, rah, rah. And you have these, you know, teenage girls standing up against, you know, demonic forces and trying to get their deadbeat dad to sort of help out in some way. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, definitely planned. And so, so talk to us a little bit about also, we just, we mentioned before you have a, a Kickstarter that's um, it's doing really well. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, this is a different project. This is uh, it's a, it's called uh, dusk witch. Um, it is a um, uh, new Orleans based. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. A new Orleans based uh, horror urban fantasy style book, uh, black and white mm. with a kind of watercolor vibe. The artist is, uh, David Lujan. His stuff is amazing. Um, so it's the first book we've worked on together, but we've done some other stuff, uh, together and it's just so amazing. Um, then there's the covers that he produced and the, that sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but that, you know, the really vibrant colors and that sort of stuff, it, it just looks amazing so yeah he's he's doing that we're doing this or i'm doing this with lesser known comics great comic publisher mm. um so working with those guys on on the project it's really exciting it's it's one of those ones i mean so it's the same with enmity and and with this one i guarantee there are things in there you've never seen um okay and particularly with this one you, you'll see the first um the first scene essentially she's at a funeral um leaning down to break the finger off uh, a dead man in the casket and take it with her as she she leaves um there you go that's her with the, the finger so there's there's lots going on there so essentially it's magic and mayhem and uh creatures and all of that sort of stuff the broader world of the story if you like is that there are forces at work within humanity and within the world that are um uh gambling on how long humanity will survive. I'll put it that way. And she is mm. an agent for one of those forces. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, weird monsters and creepy stuff going on. There's a kind of detective, grizzled detective figure that gets caught up within the story as it goes through. And yeah, some great artwork, great covers. Um, there's four covers to choose from. Um, there's also, so that's a pack with David's other work there. Um, Uriko and Nerida, great, great stories in their own right. So you can kind of get a pack that gets all of his his stuff that he's done so far, which is really right. cool. There's T-shirts um, and we've just got uh, stickers oh, and a poster as well. So he, the stuff he does is so good. Um, nice. It just looks That's really, amazing. really cool. And you can get like a, a, a lesser known comics bundle that gets you a whole pack of um, of. Uh, titles from from lesser known comics including the dusk witch um right yeah so it's heaps of fun really really enjoying it and people seem to be responding well which is good so they um 
Uh, you can also buy the the bundle, which just has all of my digital stuff. Um, everyone's going to get every physical backer gets the the die cut sticker. Um, okay. And once we get to 130 backers, we're going to have a bookmark. I don't know what that looks like yet because David's still drawing it, but we're going to reveal that later. And then just announced today uh, an MP3 album, Dusk Witch, which includes the title song, which is in the video uh, of the of the series. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. So there's some pretty cool. Oh yeah. This is really cool as well. David did this. So this is, that's me, obviously that's, uh, Mark who runs lesser known comics and that's David down there. Yeah. Pretty cool. Always a thrill when you can get your face, you know, redone in the style of, of the comic. So that I was so happy when he sent that, that through. And so with, with this, the dusk, Witch, how does this fit into like the whole, um, the larger like Quaidiverse or something like that? Um, it's kind of, so as a, as a writer, you do, I don't know if other people have this, but I have a limited, um, scope uh, and I don't know whether that's everyone or it's, it's just me, but I will fixate on an idea for a period of a couple of years. And then everything I write is kind of trying to work through that cool idea that I really like. Um, right. so a couple of the ideas that I, I'm still obsessed with. One is alternate worlds, which I don't think will ever change. The, the idea that there's worlds <laughs> impinging on our own and things bleed through from one reality to the other. <clears throat> Pardon me. That stuff, I, I love it. Always have. So everything I have, everything I write will have some component of that within it. I love the idea of tattoos, which are either sentient or have some sort of um, magical quality or, uh, you know, something like that. So, so tattoos freak, you know, which is ironic because I don't have any, maybe that's why I, I don't have any tattoos and, and never will get one. Um, but so through, you know, vicariously through my characters, I can have, have tattoos. Um, so that's another, another thing. The other thing is magic, uh, and magic systems, if you like, that are weird and have some visceral connection to body and blood and bone and that sort of thing. So within Dusk Witch, mm. the, uh, the magic that she uses is um, triggered by her consuming, either consuming human flesh or um, and not living, dead. Right. So it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's, it's fine if they're dead. Um, or uh, uh, consuming the bones of the dead. So she'll kind of snap a bone and it'll go to dust and that will engage her, her magic. Uh, a series I've written, novel series called The Seven Hungers, that uh, focuses on uh, the, one of the main characters there. Uh, the way that they engage their magic gift is the, the more wounded they get, um, the more their kind of power increases because of some connection they have with this demon sort of creature, if you like. Oh, cool. So it's like, like the worse he gets, the more powerful he becomes. Um, and, and, but he kind of has to wound himself to, you know. There's another one uh, coming up next month with comics to movies called um, Bloodsmith. It's a kind of 19th century um, occult detective kind of, situation a guy there who uh he can use his blood as a weapon so he has to sort of cut mm. himself to you know all that sort of stuff so i like those sorts of things as well um uh and in terms of dusk which the alternate world is this realm called dusk which sits outside of our reality and that's 
where she's from and um yeah you, i won't give too much away but essentially that's that's where that that other other world is um right. whereas in enmity it's a bit more of a traditional it's kind of heaven and hell but it's more heaven and earth there is no other hell it's heaven and then the fallen angels are on earth so earth becomes kind of this hellish uh place but it, the right. the narrative swaps between heaven and and earth but even within that there are other worlds that the angels travel to and you know uh war against other enemies and all that sort of stuff so it probably all harkens back to uh, i i love i don't really write traditional fantasy epic fantasy but i love epic fantasy have for years so whatever i write ends up having that you know kind of sprawling epic sci-fi and um and fantasy um tint to it what makes you decide when something needs to fit within a comic book as instead of say like a a, a long prose medium uh well okay so classic example the it's more of a logistical question than the story question if i if i put it that way so it comes down to to write a novel uh, at my fastest pace will take me two months to, to get a, a decent draft out for a novel. Um, that's if everything is, is aligned and I'm kind of, you know, really knocking through, you know, the word count fairly, fairly quickly. So that's two months. Um, to write a, a comic uh, script for, for an issue or 24 pages or 28 pages, if I'm really, really on fire with an idea, I'll knock that out in a day. So wow. that means I can I can do a lot more, a lot quicker with the comic writing without having to um, invest that huge amount of time because it's really the artist that invests the time rather than me as the writer. So that right. tends to be one of the reasons why I go, um, uh, go in that direction. Um, the Amnity is actually an interesting one because it's, it's both. So there is a book. Uh, it's called Searching for Dad in the Apocalypse. I haven't released it yet, but that's okay. that's the that's novelized cool. version of the story. Um, so some are great for both. And that was actually originally a novel idea that I turned into a comic. Um, but yeah, it, it usually comes down to how much time have I got and is it willing to invest in this as a series versus a, a single book? Because a series is always better because there's more chance of people kind of following and buying the rest of the, the novels. Yeah. Whereas right. these days I'm trying to be a little bit more, um, instead of starting a comic series and saying, this is going to be 10 comics long, which is inordinately expensive and will take forever. And who knows if the world's <laughs> going to be around by then. Instead of doing that, I tend to limit everything to, to three issues as a maximum now. So I know I can get it done with the same artist and it's the, the risk is significantly less or I'll produce it in a graphic novel size as just a one-off and then maybe right. later do another one. Um, whereas with novels, you just write and write and write and then edit and then write and then edit some more. And then it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's great fun. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong, but it, yeah, there's a much longer game to get those things out there. And they, they do, they take a lot out of you. Whereas the comics. Okay. So to give an example, um, uh, three weeks ago, I wrote a script for a new comic, which hasn't been released yet. It's going to be called Grimoire Girl. It's about a girl who is searching for her, um, searching for her brother who has been taken down to hell, essentially. 
demons kind of walk, walk the earth, but they're incognito and there's a sort of secret society trying to, or a government run society trying to knock them down and all that sort of stuff. And this grimoire girl um, basically has tattoos all over her body, which are from a, a demonic grimoire that she, you know, managed to get imprinted on her, her skin. So she uses that to kind of, you know, fight demons to try and hunt down, you know, uh, find her brother. So it's a pretty simple premise. Um, it's it's a manga style book. It's lots of action. It's lots of quirky, funny characters and all that sort of stuff. Uh, took me a couple of days to write. Found an amazing artist. Um, it's it's three weeks later, and I'm four pages away from completing that book. So within a month, uh, now th- this artist was amazing, and he he's he's been able to push through very quickly, you know, and he just happened to have time on his plate to to do it. So Great. all the stars aligned, but that tells you I've got a book within a month from start to finish, ready to go. A novel, uh, you know, I've still got another month of just writing at a minimum, and that's the first draft. And then once you finish the first draft, the first draft is always terrible. You have to go back and edit several times to make it, you know, a, a, an actual book. Then you've got to get it added, edited by someone else because I can't see my own spelling mistakes and those sorts of things. Then you get it proofread. Then you get beta readers. Then... And then you're ready to release it. So it's like it's like a six month turnaround to do all of that stuff for one one book. Whereas comic done in a month, amazing. What would you say is like the Morgan Quaid theme or that signature for all of your work? It it is fast paced, quippy, um, a lot of action, but so that the. the so probably the way I describe my novels is um, first person, fast paced urban fantasy with horror elements set against a backdrop of a massive, sprawling, imaginative world. So I don't explore that whole world, you know, so you're not going to read one of my books and get like a five paragraph description of the hillside, you know, in this alien world or whatever necessarily. Um, it'll only be as the character is sort of thrust into that world, you'll sort of see that. But it's, it's yeah, that wasn't a great description. It's all the elements I was describing. Alternate worlds, wacky magic sort of stuff, um, high stakes mm. end of the world, and my characters will bleed and be permanently injured. And so they so it's not, it's not written like a, um, a sitcom. You don't reset in book two and everything's, ah, it's, we're all just exactly like we were. No, you, someone has lost a limb. Someone has lost an eye. Someone has a deep internal trauma that they carry with them. And, and that becomes part of their personality as they move to the next thing. So that's that's probably the other thing is some sort of trauma that moves on with the, the characters. Right. And weirdness, a lot of weirdness. Wherever I can get weirdness in there, there's a series I did where the a currency that's used to um, exchange information is a severed big toe. So the detective has to sort of find a big toe and give it to this creature to get information from him. You know, anything with a bit of weirdness in it, I, I love. So. Have you ever thought about writing like some books that are like just pink and full of unicorns and just cotton candy or anything like that? So I, I've written short pieces that are, not that, but that are very <laughs> um, emotive and very real and very genuine about people that I've right. known um, and yeah. quite 
you know, emotionally intense, but very short because I've got a limited amount of space in my head for that. Um, <laughs> I have experimented. I should never have done it, but I have experimented with romance because two things occurred to me. First of all, romance books sell better than anything else. I thought, oh, okay. Secondly, there are many different types of romance. So you can do urban fantasy, you can do sci-fi, you can do anything. So I thought, here we go. I will start writing. I, I will be a romance writer now. Have I ever read a romance book? No. Do I know what the genre is about? No, not at all. Do I have a clue what I'm doing? No, of course not. So I start writing. Then I learn that the trick in romance or one of the tricks in romance is you use many, 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 many words and nothing happens. So it's all about the emotion and the, and the will they, won't they, and the tension and all that sort of stuff. My books, within two chapters, the world will have changed half a dozen times. I can't write that way. I don't, I don't take my time. Things are happening all the time. So I very quickly realized and got a bit of feedback from romance readers. Yeah, that's not romance, buddy. What, what you're writing is not just because you stick some romantic stuff in there. That's not actually romance. And then I realized I can't do that. That's just beyond me. <laughs> so a fluffy thing. If it's funny and it's quirky, maybe. I did write an all ages um, sort of comedy uh, comic called Twiggy of the Bog about this this little guy who fancies himself a hero but he's just a, a little kid with a hammer and, you know, he's just sort of, it's just a, a sort of comedy of errors as he goes along. He, he, you know, he meets a wizard on the side of the road and trades all his money for this seed that he's supposed to plant, but he ends up eating it because he thinks it's something he should eat. And then as a result, a boil grows on his shoulder. Who's a sentient boil who, who, you know, has the, um, the spirit of an old wizard in there and all that sort of stuff. So, it's not all sunshine and unicorns, but it's it's funny and it's fun. But I don't know. Maybe in the future I could do it. It's very hard to curtail the impulse to go very quickly to either dark or weird or otherworldly or any of that sort of stuff. I find it very difficult. And I've tried a bunch of different genres and it's kind of like in the last 10 years I've settled on, well, this is where I really sit well. And this is the stuff I write well and enjoy. So I pretty much stick to that for the most. So do you write for yourself or do you find a book that you think is, uh, there's a readership for? I have traditionally always done the former. I've always written for myself. It's only recently that I've started particularly with the novels. So I'll give you the classic case. So um, urban fantasy, love the genre. Um, I'm not in love with a lot of the books in that genre uh, and classic books. And I certainly don't do paranormal romance or any of that sort of stuff, but I I like the idea of magic set in a a real world kind of setting and all that sort of stuff. Um, So started writing that, wrote a series, you can see it up there, Crimson King and Brian Council's part of the Seven Hunger series. Um, Started writing that you know, going really well. Then I, I'm informed, oh, you know that the most popular urban fantasy books are all, all have female um, leads. And if you don't have that, you, you're already kind of behind the eight ball because people will buy what they recognize. So if they see a cover with admittedly a handsome gentleman on there, but not the female lead that they're expecting, they're less likely to buy. So that's an example of, okay, the next series that I'm midway through writing it now, which kind of pivots a little bit from this series has a female lead because I like writing female leads. I think they're great. 
it's easy enough for me to switch, but it's a conscious decision because I know I'm also likely to get twice the traffic purely because of that one thing. It's not a big enough thing for me as a writer that I think, no, no, I have to have male leads so I can change it. Then there's also the type of cover. When I first started writing novels, I was using um, comic artists to do the covers. So they looked great, but they look like graphic novels, not like urban fantasy novels. So I had to completely redo the covers myself. So the covers you see there on the Seven Hungers, I rebuilt those myself after a bit of research to find out, oh, what, a, what does that reader actually expect to see? Um, so it's this interesting thing, because on the one hand, I know a lot of artists have this thing where it's like, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to just give people what they want. But by the same token, if they don't see something they recognize, they're never going to pick it up. So you're already sort of, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face because you can't, you can't get it to them to even get them past the initial blocker to start reading and then decide whether they like the series or not. So I thought if that's a barrier, I need to remove that mm. sort of barrier. The next step for me, which I haven't done yet, uh, I do have a lot of the tropes that kind of work with the genre in my, my writing. Um, right. but it's still very much, if you pick up any of these books within a couple of chapters, you'll be thinking, oh yeah, yeah, Morgan, Morgan <laughs> wrote this. There are, there are, there are broken bones and weird magic and all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. He, he, he must've written this. So it's still within that area. What I'm looking at next though is, which I've never done except for the romance debacle, trying to target a series directly to be almost as a hook to try and be popular, not, not to try and be popular, but to try and be as broad as possible, but still something that I can write and enjoy and not, I can't write stuff that I'm not going to read and enjoy. So it's never going to be exactly like the, you know, other books that are hugely famous uh, in a genre that I'm just not, I can't do that with. So it's kind of a balance that I'm striking with the comics. It's slightly different because with the comics, I've just done anything I wanted to do because it just feels like I'm I'm playing in a magical, you know, playground with these amazing artists and I get to do whatever I want. So, uh, and to see your words become, uh, you know, a, a living, breathing thing that you can see and touch and everything is just amazing and, and kind of addictive. So I, until now, I haven't really, I've just gone with whatever I wanted to do. But I have noticed, again, the female leads do better than the males and there are certain... Mm. Uh, anything with a manga-esque style tends to do do, do better because the kids, they love the manga. Um, so I'm thinking a little bit more on the business side now and about how to not sell out, but how to, you know, because honestly, there is a very, very easy way. And I don't want to say this is necessarily selling out because I don't want to insult people. But if I want to, you know, triple the size of my Kickstarters and sell books, you know, uh, the the series you see up the top, Shadow's Daughter, that's probably one of my most popular series. All I would need to do is have the main character on the front cover, fully nude and very presenting all of the lady parts, you know, full on. And you, you'll sell a lot better because those things tend to do very well. But from for me, that doesn't work because that's not what I'm selling. What I'm selling is a it's in a fantasy world, but I'm selling a real person. I, I want to sell a person with a story that struggles and all that and a character um, rather than just selling stuff that is appealing because it's, you know, large chested. So, so Morgan, um, if people want to learn more about your, your work, where's the best place they could go to? 
so there's a few places you can go. Um, if you go to morganquaid.com, you'll um, see, you know, everything, you know, links and all that sort of stuff. You'll see uh, my novel um, and you can kind of get involved in the mailing list and get a, a free copy of the novel and all that sort of stuff. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll start to see all of that. Um, YouTube as well. All the links are basically on there. So it'll take you to YouTube, all that sort of stuff. If you're wanting to pick up um, Enmity and another book that I'll quickly show you in a tick, um, head to any one world and you will find the whole series up there ready to go. Um, no matter what time of day it is, even when I'm sleeping, it's still available for you for purchase <laughs> on the, the website there. So yeah, so head to any one world uh, or ASAP Imagination, search the Morgan Quaid collection and there you go. They're all all in there. Um, the other one that is coming very, very soon to any one world is this one here, The Crimson Folly. The Crimson is, Folly, yeah. amazing. The artwork in this thing is just incredible. Um, it is a and d inspired story that takes place within a fantasy tavern. Uh, there were like 15 different artists involved in the, in the project. Um, it's got two stories side by side. It's a big book. And as part of the launch, we're actually going to do, we're going to run a kind of D&D style one shot online mm-hmm. with some of the characters from the story. So that's going to be heaps and heaps of fun. And that's coming to anyone well done really, really soon. There you okay. go. Yeah, that, that was the, that was the Kickstarter I, I ran for it. Um, the Crimson Fire. Right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Excellent. by all means, if you see this, if you see this before the end of the month, get on and support Dusk, which it's an amazing Amazing project, great book, lots of fun. Yeah, once again, Morgan, it's always great to spend time with you. This is always fun. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on again, Barney. And apologies for the many words that I have said without They thinking. were beautiful words. Yes, oh, thank they're you. They're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Morgan. It's a pleasure. Thank you. These these lenses, when I asked for like the name of the style of it, you know what they call these? The this the style of of glasses, the frame style. What uh, they, they call it the Morgan Quaid. So that's pretty interesting. So well, I'm glad uh, that the word's getting yeah. out there uh, because uh, <laughs> I've been everywhere I go. Have you seen the these Morgan Quaid glasses? Are quite uh, quite extraordinary. <laughs> it's good that it's getting out there. I've been doing that for 10, 20 years. So the word's right, getting yeah, out. See, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to monetize yeah, that I mean, exactly, but it's going to be something. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan Quaid, he's big. He's, he's big in America. See, everybody talks about Morgan Quaid here. Oh, absolutely. No one does in Australia. It's all, it's all. <laughs>